Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Um, This week we'd like to talk a little bit about um, social anxiety. It's something that came up for me at the weekend and kind of reminded me that um, it was a major, major reason for me relying upon alcohol. So um, we thought we'd talk about that and some tools to, um, to deal with those social situations when you're not drinking. Um, but as always, we're going to just check in and say hi. So hi, Kate. How are you? Hi. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Um, I'm sort of doing one day at a time at the moment for various reasons, as you know, not so much to do with the booze, but um, but life in general. Um, but but I'm all right, actually. Um, and I've got my show. I'm, I'm doing I've got I love Amdram and I'm part of um, a local musical theatre group and uh, we're doing sister act and we're our run rehearsal schedule is really ramping up um and I was just thinking about that in terms of strategizing your happiness you know finding places of flow and fun and having a laugh with people and so I had a bit of a tough day again yesterday um with my son at school and stuff and um and then I went out and we just had such a laugh. We were, you know, there was singing in Latin. We were mucking about. We were just talking about our costumes, which we're all obviously going to be wearing habits. And there's nothing more funny than loads and loads of nuns doing something unnunnish. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so have you seen nuns out of context? Like, sometimes I see them driving around the area because we've got, like, a little convent down the road. And I'm like, why is that funny? I don't know why it is, but it is. Yeah. So um, I, I'm just kind of embracing that at the moment. So that's quite a laugh. Yeah. So what, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, um, it's a beautiful day today. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm starting to look forward to stuff. I've got a few really exciting things coming up. Um, I'm going to Ireland for Amanda Grace's um, artistic workshop for five days, um, which is amazing. It's kind of, um, it's West Coast of Ireland, very kind of wild. Um, I'm quite um, scared, not just because I'm not like an artist and I'm quite kind of unconfident about that part of me even though there's like a lot of kind of art within my my family um but yeah I feel quite intimidated by by that but you know I'm all about pushing boundaries Mm. and kind of that'd be awesome yeah I just I'm, I'm very inspired by it and I've always been massively inspired by artistic people creative people so I you know just to be around them even you know whatever I make is is kind of irrelevant really and and also just kind of getting away and being in quite a mystic place you know yeah but when we were talking a minute ago and we've had to do a retake haven't we because I said that it was a bit uh, it was like father Ted country because it is actually where around you know that west coast is really wild and beautifully kind of bleak some of it and some of it's really lush and I I um went on um a trip there I stayed in a really beautiful hotel kind of just after my daughter was born called the Ice Hotel and I flew into Mayo and there literally was Virgin a statue of Virgin Mary on the runway and I was like wowzers that is I mean I literally thought I was in Father Ted and um and I'm a big fan so um 
See if you can, I don't know, spot any Fast Dead references for me when you're there. As a, like, little spy, that would make me really happy. But that, okay, that sounds amazing, because also you were talking on The Unruffled, weren't you, about the significance of kind of, in your recovery, uh, of your creativity. So... Mm. Yeah, it's definitely something that like, and I think, you know, what we're pushing with the workshops that we're going to do, you know, we're going to do a, a workshop with, which is around creativity with words, mm. you know, the, the next one's July the 13th with Wanda Canton, we'll be sort of putting the tickets out soon. Um, and that's all looking at creativity and journaling and, and what words mean. And, you know, I, I, I get excited by all that stuff. Yeah. And then the third um, workshop, which we've just fixed the date of 19th of October, is um, Sharon Walters, who is a, um, a, a London artist mm. uh, who does a lot of amazing work. And she works uh, about sort of identity and creating yourself and who you are. And, mm. um, and she does a lot of kind of collage work. And again, all those kind of practices um, really feed into finding who you are as a, as a sober yeah. person and, and reconnecting to your values and, and all those things that you were before you started drinking. Mm. And I yeah. and I think that, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, that whole path of recovery and, and sort of traditional models didn't appeal to us, did they, for, for various reasons. And then you find yourself in a kind of similar process somehow, piecing it together yourself. But... Um, but that, that part, you know, for ongoing sobriety of kind of almost like staying sober and being happy sober, all of those bits I just think are so key. Or they, they are for me, it's like that, okay, coming back to yourself. And as kids, when we were talking to um, Beck Sweller, weren't we? We were saying, you know, making mess and expressing ourselves and being creative. But we are naturally creative. And I just think that's awesome that that you're going to do that. I can't wait to hear about you know yeah. what you come I mean, back with. You know, some, one of the um, one of the she kind of sent a list of things to bring. You know, and it's kind of um, like nice typography, so different sort of pulling out sort of uh, words and uh, letters from magazines and stuff. Mm. Um, lots of different pens and kind of different um, mixed materials um, and clothes that can get really messy that was one oh, of the things I love that yeah yeah Brilliant. yeah you yeah, know I'm, ex- I'm excited cool so, um social anxiety I, I brought this up because I went to a party on Saturday um and it was really nice um it was uh sort of ticked all the boxes uh on paper because it was a lunchtime party so starting at half past 12 the kids were invited um so already those two things kind of set me at ease because I know that it's not I'm not going to get absolutely exhausted and um, staying out late and that it's not going to be too kind of boozy if the kids are there. Um, and also I hadn't been out, you know, I hadn't been sort of very well. I've been quite sad, so I hadn't really wanted social contact for a couple of weeks and I was kind of feeling better and, you know, happy to put on some makeup and you know, going out of the house clothes and um, <laughs> change my jumper um, for the first time in a while. Um, yeah, and and then I kind of walked in and I just, it that social anxiety just hit me like, you know, full on. I mean, I walked in and there was 30 kind of, 30 people all speaking French really loudly. 
loads of kids running around and I was just like oh my god you know that kind of like and the first thing I thought was just like gosh this is like when I would beeline for the bar you know Mm. I this is this is what used to happen to me you know and I just got those kind of flashbacks of of being a teenager and walking into the pub and just being like oh like that hit of noise and like overwhelming kind of um on your senses you know smells and noise and people and just like Mm. and I it would just be like you know not consciously but unconsciously the first thing I do before I go and say hi to my friends or anything would be go to the bar you know yeah sometimes I'd buy two drinks at the bar because you know it was so rammed that by the time you get back to your seat you know you'd have to go back again yeah I've forgotten about things like that yeah I just like that just came to me as oh well. Oh, my God. And like then, one... you know, like, last orders, when you're just kind of, like, racking them up because they're about yeah. to call last orders and there's this big panic to sort yeah. of chuck some more down your mouth. Totally forgot. I think part of being a mum and not actually going... I remember I... I can't remember when it was, but I hadn't been into a pub for about a year. Mm. And that was, you know, suddenly you realise you're not in that sort of pub environment anymore and pub culture sort of thing but yeah sorry go on yeah no I I mean and and I so I was kind of like went a bit sort of flushed you know kind of rosy cheeked and felt a bit hot and then I sort of sat down and Mm -hmm. you know we were having uh some food and my hands were shaking you know and I was trying to like talk to people and my my hands shaking sort of trying to eat my pasta salad and I was just like oh gosh um so I I mean I was fine and I got over it and I sort of I went and saw my husband and sort of said oh I'm a bit shaky and so we went outside for some air and then later this woman was sort of asking me about my work and 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 not drinking and stuff and I said you know this is a prime example of when I would I would drink for an emotional response you know I would drink to calm my nerves because Mm. I'm an anxious person so she was like, okay, so what do you do now then? Mm-hmm. Drink. And, and and actually there were loads of things that I, I do that are kind of, you know, I prepare myself. Um, and um, so, you know, I always, when I'm going to an event like that, I've got two sort of uh, nice cashmere jumpers that I tend to wear because I like having that kind of warmth and I tend to actually stroke my arms like... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know kind of that actual caress of sort of personal touch to reassure myself um I make sure that I eat I make sure that I drink lots of water um I make sure I have time out you know I go to the toilet <clears throat> even more <than> normal <laughs> um just to sort of breathe and to give myself a bit of a you know self uh, talk mm. Um, I tend to hang out with the kids quite a lot um, and because I find them kind of a nice distraction and you know they're not kind of firing questions at you mm. um, and quite quiet um, what else do I do what do you do what are your tools I try to sit with my um, with my feet this was one that I learned from Jolene Park. I sit with my feet um, flat on the ground, kind of, there's a sense of stability. Mm. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I really relate to what you're saying. I have an ally in my husband that I can sort of talk to. I, I make sure that I know when we're leaving. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Mm. yeah. About you, what, what are your tools? Well, your I, I was there? just going to say... Yes. Yeah, so what I'm really resonate, you know, with what you're saying about that. And I it's funny, I just see it so much on sober forums as well, that kind of anxiety, social anxiety and booze being, even though it's a depressant kind of thing, it, it sort of really kind of, yeah, sort of numbs out out that. And it, and it kind of we're encouraged to do it, really, aren't we? We're seen as, you know, seen as completely normal to do that. Um, so with the I tend to, I love what you said about that cashmere, um, mm. you know, uh, and I, I think as I'm going on and getting more aware, I do tend to do physical things more like, like you said, I used to attack everything mentally and like challenge the thinking, you know, like CBT, challenge the thinking, what's the evidence? That, like, I'm sure everyone doesn't hate me and, you know, or something mm. like that or that I'm not boring or something. But now I just think, yeah, I... Um, I'm better at catching those early warning signals, you know, not waving away the red flags because that's what I used to do. So if I was tired, you just drink through it, you know. If I'm, if I've had enough, you know, I need a bit of fresh air. You know, you're not picking up those cues, are you? So, I think definitely quite a lot of toilet breaks. Um, and what else do I do? Uh, I think definitely gate it. Like I was talking to to somebody, and I've mentioned this before about you know watch your window, mm. and I know that if I go past my window of a couple of hours, I will the inner toddler will start yelling, and I'll just get really upset. And and um, and I and actually even if I was saying this before, wasn't I? That even if I actually really sort of really like the people and I'm really enjoying the conversation I've had enough talking after a couple of hours it's like okay I've really had enough now so I think having those boundaries having an escape route because historically you know when we used to go to parties my husband is literally the last man standing and that used to cause me a lot of anxiety about when we'd leave when we'd get home how we'd get home when are we going to book the taxi him and I are kindred spirits on that one (laughs) proper Jomo me I can't possibly leave something yeah Fomo isn't it I get Jomo now yeah that's right I'm Jomo you were Fomo um so that was a really big thing so that's hugely empowering for me and, and really you know it's funny isn't it that that I suppose I would drink and sort of in the moment think that I felt a bit more in control because I wasn't feeling anxiety. But actually what puts you in control is mm. not drinking. And so then I could go, well, I'm going to drive and I will leave when I've had enough. Like you can come with. And we have an agreement and the boundaries are set. So I think a lot of mine is, yeah, sort of boundary things in terms of timing. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking about what you said about Jolene, and this helps with anxiety generally is tapping like um and I think you you, if you tap on certain pressure points I mean this is when I'd go into the loo and do it so I'm not going to sit there and tap in front of people (laughs) (laughs) that wouldn't go that wouldn't help socially would it really yeah um so and I think Veronica Valley does something on this in Sober Full she's got a I am pretty sure I've seen her do the tutorial on YouTube about this or you might have to kind of join her 
her sight. I don't know, but um, but yeah, and that I find kind of one of those peculiar things where you go, yeah, right. But if you do it, um, you might find it really works. Like it really, really helps me. My my anxiety will go from about a six to about a one if I do tapping. Um, yeah. Like my butterfly cuddle. I know the calam papillon. Is it? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I know, I was doing that this morning. I got up early to try and do what I said, meditation in inverted commas, which was me just kind of sitting on my yoga mat, drinking a bit of tea. And um, I'm getting this sense at the moment that actually what I want to do is lie sort of down on the floor, face down, and like really snuggle into the floor. And then I got up and then I did that. And I gave myself a calin papillon. And it was really sweet. Yeah, but that's that, yeah, sensory touch, isn't it? Yeah, that can really and help. I think we were saying as well, weren't we, that um, it, it helps in social situations if you're at a, a house party, you know, to be helpful. Like I'm, I'm always kind of clearing up the, the drinks, or I'm like helping chop vegetables. Yeah, do something. Or, yeah, yeah, get involved in doing so you don't have to talk. Like those side by side activities are really good, I think, because that what often happens to me is I would be happily hang out side by side with someone doing an activity hence the musical theatre but I don't want to have to do face-to-face chats I find that massively draining as a kind of as an introvert um and the other thing you just reminded me of was um the sensory processing things that I'm looking at at the moment and I feel like there's little light bulbs going off with me with my own behavior um and people that I know as well so I was laughing about um my family calling me a diva because I I wouldn't eat in a certain restaurant because the lighting was so bad um because they had like strips of overhead lighting and I Mm. just was like why would you go in there sort of thing and they were like oh it's not fancy enough for you and it was like actually it's not it would literally make me so anxious to sit there and try and eat in with that lighting and so I'm learning at the moment about uh, executive function um, of the brain. And part of that is being able to uh, process sensors. And, and if you can't, if you've got some kind of, you know, glitch or, or extra sensitivity, you can, that stimulates the amygdala and it makes you very stressed out. So if everyone's yeah. you, you going into the bright lights of the pub and being hit by the wall of sound that is kicked, you know, you might identify as an HSP as a highly sensitive person or having processing issues. Who mm-hmm. knows? I I mean, I definitely do. Like, if everyone's talking at me and the radio's on, I literally don't know who's saying what or whether yeah. the radio's speaking. I, I go into meltdown and I have to leave the room and I just go, okay. And I used to do that. I used to drink definitely on a Sunday afternoon to... Um, I used to just say, oh, we know it's a nice time to have a, have a drink. And it wasn't. It's because at that point I needed a bit of space. And the kids would be really like up there and we've had a lot of contact over the weekend. We'd be cooking a roast dinner. There'd be the radio blaring. And actually I was getting overwhelmed on mm. a sensory way. So that was that's a social anxiety. It's not like going out and meeting people, but it was a, an anxiety in a social situation, even though it's like my home environment. So... Yeah, we were saying, weren't we, if you, you know, if you went into a a group of uh, sober people and and asked them if they identified with, you know, kind of the the description of um, 
of social processing or uh, an social anxiety or um, any of these things, introvertism, any of these things we're talking about, you know, there'd be yeah. a high percentage of people. And something you said to me the other day that um, really resonated was that feeling of, of always feeling a little bit different and a little mm. bit um, separated from people or a little yeah. bit a, a black sheep and not quite fitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, I definitely, definitely resonate with that. And um, and then I think you're always constantly trying harder to people please, mm. you know, because you just you're not quite sure of, of yourself. And um, and definitely then alcohol becomes a social kind of lubricant that you feel like you either you find people that are as sort of, uh, I don't know, socially awkward as as you or, mm. you know, and you bond through love of substances um or it's just a way of making you accessible I guess you know I do I almost see that as yeah that that I definitely felt very different as a child and that kind of carried on and I still do I mean I it it was funny that what I had a run-in I think I've talked about this on the podcast before about uh having a run-in with a school mom and actually we've totally sorted it out now which is really really nice um I did take the moral high ground here and I did wave the olive branch and so I just like props to me there. <laughs> um, but yeah. I um, said to, um, I've lost the train of thought now. Oh yeah, so I, I heard that she wouldn't let her daughter be friends with my daughter because we were weird in inverted commas. So she said we were weird and I got really cross and I was like, how dare she call us weird? I'm not weird. And then I went, actually I am quite weird. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a fair cop you know the shoe, the shoe fits yeah let's wear that shoe with pride something sort of but um you know that that definitely I do feel like uh and my aunt calls us when we had our wedding at her farm and all our friends from London and Brighton came they called us the exotics <laughs> and I was really offended and then I was like oh actually I quite like that we're the exotics because yeah. we're sort of all a kind of a bit of a a funny, creative sort of, you know, bunch of, you know, kind of okay functioning weirdos, I suppose now, you know, who have found our niches. But especially when you're a kid, I think, because you don't don't know, you haven't got that self-awareness or those avenues and you have to do a lot of conforming. I think you do get used to that, having to shoehorn yourself and then that makes you anxious then. And then, yeah, when when alcohol comes into the picture, it sort of blurs the edges somehow so that you don't feel like that wrong piece of the jigsaw, you know? And I think that can can go in any way. I mean, like, yeah, I was definitely kind of um, opted out of of being normal, you know, and was a rebel and stuff Mm. like that, you know? like where you where you were the weirdo I was a rebel but it was still like sort of we don't fit in in this kind of normal yeah you know but I can I mean I can see it at that um with you know the girls that were really sporty you know that I thought were really kind of weird or or different or you know or if you're really clever and actually you know it's just very polarized isn't mm. it when uh young uh, and yeah if you're anxious or if you're not sure of yourself um then it's very easy and you know no one's telling you not to it's very easy to to slip mm. in that kind of like uh, realm of, of of drinking and things to feel yeah to blur the edges as you mm. say yeah 
Um, yeah, and I'm trying to think of now when I when I feel socially anxious because I think that's one of the lovely things about recovery is that you end up putting the toolkit together to deal with stuff. Mm. So I would definitely say, whereas I would definitely have used alcohol to shoe my, shoehorn myself into situations and to spend longer with people that I either didn't want to or, mm. yeah, where I places I didn't want to be. And at first it's like, oh, God, now what do I do? Because I'm not, you know, this is all feeling very uncomfortable. But then when you kind of get those tools on board that you go, well, actually, I can say no to that. Uh, if I'm tired, I'm going to opt out. If that looks like it's going to be too long, I'm going to boundary it. I'm going to say, well, look, I'll, I'll go for two hours. And so you can actually start getting skillful with it, can't you? And yeah. I mean, I still get the butterflies. I still get that kind of a bit of an adrenaline. I mean, I get that going into meetings. I have to say I get anxiety going into meetings. Um, more. Yeah, we're quite a good team on that one, aren't we? Because you, yeah. you kind of you you struggle beforehand yeah uh, can kind of I push through on the adrenaline and then you then I crash and you yeah. kind of pick me up so yeah no no I'm all right after I'm all right I'm all right with the adrenaline come down I tend mm. to just it makes me feel calm at that point yeah that's so true isn't it we were like oh that's really interesting I'm trying to think of what what other things sort I of think affect you, you, I think one of the main things is, is to realize like how exhausting it is you know if you're if you're an anxious person that means that you know your heart rate is up that means that your adrenaline is pumping you know um I tend to get migraines like if I stay out too much purely through thinking and like concentrating and controlling my nerves and things like that um you know you say you always need like a day the next oh, day yeah. to kind of come mm. uh, yeah I get a social uh, hangover so I have to rest and and leave the diary clear um yeah just to just to recover definitely especially if I've done something like a course or I've gone up to London or I've so if I've gone out of my environment do you know what I, I when I was saying this wasn't I in a way it's just really freaking annoying because it's that orchid gene thing isn't it so dandelions being really robust and if you're an orchid then you just need the right environment you need the right temperature you need a quite a controlled environment and my husband said to me the other day he just went darling you're just a, a thoroughbred racehorse you just need <laughs> to have the right kind of food the amount of rest you know the right vitamins and it's like it's really freaking high maintenance but actually if you get a few bits in there that work it, it does give you a handle on it and and oh my god like taking alcohol out of the equation gives you the key to the toolbox in my experience it's like I didn't have a bloody hope now I had no idea how I was how yeah. I was dealing with all of this and then the awful kind of crippling soul-wrenching anxiety the kind of next day I just thought I was anxious I didn't realize I was socially anxious because <laughs> I'd covered yeah, it up I think you know you know some of my mm. um, my worst kind of uh, sort of shame that I have felt very ashamed about I've kind of you know forgiven myself now but um, you know have been weddings or funerals you know where those heightened kind of 
emotions that through my anxiety so much you know when you're at a wedding when you don't know people and you know I had to be taken home from one of my really good friends wedding before she even did the first dance just you know and I to this day I mean it's I'm still really upset about that you know Mm. um but I can I can totally see now you know I was not I was not in I didn't feel safe there were people on the table that I felt very uncomfortable with it felt quite toxic um I you know I yeah I didn't have my I didn't feel stable Mm. and safe um and so I drank too much Mm. um and yeah I mean I all those things and those heightened kind of emotions um you know I'm so I'm so glad I don't Mm. don't and it's like you said, you know what, you, what you've just said about feeling stable and safe. And I think that is what this is about, isn't it? It's what can you do to enhance your feelings of safety and control and stability in those? So you yeah. can't control everything, but there will be aspects of it that you can. So what can you? So you so like setting the time limits, so like choosing what you wear, making sure you feel really good in what you wear. Um uh, yeah, you know, sort of making sure that you've got a wingman or a wingwoman or something there, making sure you know what how you're going to get out, having your exit strategy. So I think all of those really, really help. So I, th- I think it's just like, you know, it, again, it's that sort of leaning in, isn't it? And that's saying, well, well, how do I tick and what do I need? And not feeling like we've all got to fit that extrovert model that is so lauded in our kind of cultures yeah. That we've always got to be fucking punching the air and having a really good time and know how to speak to everyone. It's like, what is that? That's just ridiculous kind of bar to set. And it's not very kind, is it, as well? It doesn't really allow for for people to be where they are either. Or You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and yeah. I was just thinking about what you were saying about, you know, side-by-side activities. Mm. And that's really interesting, actually, because that, that's something why it's nice to go out for a walk with someone, isn't it? Because mm. when you go out, we used to go for long country walks when we were teenagers. And um, and I used to, I've got really fond memories of those. And it is, it's like an unpressured kind mm. of setting. Yeah. Um, you're together, but you're not, you know, facing each other over a dinner table. Or yeah, or that stress of the kind of the P word. It's like a party. It's like, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but um, what I was going to say oh yeah so uh, I think part of that again part of the toolkit I think we've spoken about this before but it's worth mentioning again of I think when we've been drinking we tend to see social contact as that as that one model and that just actually your your brain and your being will respond to a walk in the woods or going for a laugh or you know or doing an activity with people mm. that, that is still social and, and I that sounds obvious but I hadn't really clocked that I I didn't realize I thought my life social life would end I mean it's pretty much ended anyway because of the children <laughs> but um and I was in a new town or whatever but I it didn't occur to me and it was like there was a bunch of girls that I knew from Brighton and we all sort of moved into surrounding villages, like, you know, to afford more space and stuff. And then we started meeting up for lunch. And it was really high quality 
You know, they still occasionally went out and got wrecked and lost their phones. And I opted out of that. But I still kind of had my high quality thing with them where we go for a really nice pub lunch on a Friday together and just have a real power catch up. Actually, that really did tick the box and we are still close. They didn't fall away, you know, just because it it slightly changed and I opted out of stuff that wasn't going to work, you know. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting too that if you're, you know, if you are socially anxious um, or anxious in, in general, um, you probably don't really like being around drunk people. And um, this is something that I've massively noticed um, and realised that I drank a lot because it was kind of like can't beat them, join them, because mm. actually being around people, that change, uh, and I can, you know, see it in all the people that I love. I can think of times when I wasn't drinking and they were where they that changed. Not that they were mean or horrible, but they just changed. And I I couldn't deal with it. You know, their voices change. They get slurry or, you know, they can't walk properly or I just it it makes Mm. my anxiety go nuts. Mm. So, um, you know, there's there's definitely that kind of if you know it's going to be really kind of, you know, boozy then don't go basically (laughs) yeah or you know I just I can't be around that really and it's just under that's okay like why should I want to be yeah 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 again I think it is that that kind of I don't know all of this all of this living and living well and self-care and recovery and positive psychology it's that dialogue with with yourself and and kind of self-acceptance isn't it it's like I still feel a bit of a kind of I think I would use the word sap (laughs) I haven't used the word sap since I was about 16 but it's sort of come back to me for being so high maintenance and so like just needing to only go for a couple of hours and you know all of that I can hear this internal like just irritation at myself and I'm sure that's conditioning I'm sure if I went you know sat now and went on a chaise long and talked to some a psychologist it would be like coming back to you know it would be like I was six and someone was irritated with me but um I don't know um so having that you know practice that practicing that self-compassion and that acceptance too of yeah, it, 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 it's just like, yo, and what was I going to say the other day? I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I was thinking about um, the sensory processing stuff as well and how that, uh, all the fast-paced stuff, the, the not unplugging things and, mm-hmm. and our environment. So rather than just the social anxiety in that particular moment, all of this other stuff, which is is still very stimulating to the adrenals and the amygdala to go into fight flight and how to you know our very fast-paced world must be exacerbating all of this as well so I think that like you know yoga obviously now we just know that there's just nothing wrong with yoga is there because it just it sorts everything out so much in terms of if you get a good practice on board and you're allowed to go you know to do the rest and restore and the restorative practice the some of the breathing practices they very quickly allow you to go into parasympathetic mode and rest and restore so 
I know in a gentle walk in the woods that does exactly the same. It's switching on your parasympathetic nervous system. So I think there's there's all of that, almost that proactive stuff you can be doing as well, maybe. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Okay, we should wrap up. So uh, what's your tip of the day today? Oh, okay. So I'd like to give a shout out to Sarah Billick. Uh, above above the pink cloud on instagram i think that's her website as well but sarah's doing a, a bit of work with me at the moment sort of um um i i needed somebody to chat to about who had counseling therapeutic background and she made me realize this week because i'm a real fixer and a real doer and i love goals and i love solutions you know that's why i'm coaching and mm. you know I'm, i love all of that and and she very gently helped me see oh, in my life at the moment there were certain things that I can't fix right now. It's like, okay, I've put things in place. They will be coming into, you know, uh, uh, it's almost like the, I said it's like Game of Thrones, seeing people from the north and the south advancing, and we're not, we're not quite there yet. Um, mm. And she said, you know, so that's all really great. And if you can sit with the mess and the not knowing if you're very solutions based it can be very confronting to sit with not knowing and a bit of mess and loose ends for a bit and how would that be and I think her words as she said and imagine that so you're really good at the other stuff if you get this that's quite a skill set and I was like wow sis because it didn't make me wrong for what I do it's like but this that's like a power tool, isn't it? Yeah. And I loved that. And I just thought you are such a treasure. And so I'd really like, I think that's a tip of the day for busy mums, for busy people, for perfectionists, for the anxious, for all of us who freak mm. out and use alcohol as a way not to, you know, to make the world go quiet. If we can sit with a bit of the mess and the bit of the unknown, you know, what what's that like? That would be my tip. Yeah, what a skill that is. Yeah, what a skill sure. that would be. Yeah. What about yours? Um, tip of the day. Um, well, because I've been quite sad and I've been um, grieving the last few weeks, I needed some sort of like really feel good TV. So I've been uh, binge watching um, uh, Queer Eye for a straight guy more than a makeover. Nice. Um, and there is actually like. Uh, some really good kind of wellness tips and stuff like that within the the program but they did a, a show with a fireman go with me on this there is a point <laughs> a show with a fireman and um and at the end they were just the one of the guys the the five guys that sort of do the makeover he was just like I just want to say thank you because you know meeting you and seeing what the fireman do reminds me that there are good and kind people in the world and I just thought god that's so great to just think you know like when you're sad or if the world just feels really overwhelming you know sometimes I, I I get like you know everywhere I look I see bad stuff you know you turn the tv on the news you go outside there's a homeless person you know it feels overwhelmingly like there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the news and it just was like, gosh, you know, at this time, somewhere in the world, there's someone doing good and there's mm. someone being kind, you know. So I think it's it's a nice thing to remember that, you know, every time there's something bad going on somewhere in the world, there's something good. And yeah. it just makes it a bit better about. Yeah, for sure. About, 
Yeah. And and I think as well the um you've just reminded me that uh I do news fasts and mm. um because I get very very sad with with the news and then I can't switch off from it. So I had I remember talking to my husband a while a while ago about this because he was sort of because he's very interested and really political and likes to keep abreast of current affairs and everything. And I sort of explained where I was at and that I, if anything was really important, I'd find out about it later that day or the next day. There's a lot yeah. of the news cycle that is, it's not necessary for me to know about. And actually what it will do is disempower me and disable me. And so yeah. I started subscribing to positive news. There's, um, there's a, they bring out a quarterly magazine, I think, and there's a Facebook group and a website called Amazing. Positive News. So, and, and like the cover of the last one was this boy in, I don't know whether he was in Rwanda, but he was like a, about 11 and he had worked out an irrigation system for the whole of his village. And now they were prototyping it and trialing it in other villages. Like, I got a shiver from that. That bit of news gave me a dopamine, <laughs> I think. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And one, one, they had uh, Russell Brands on another one talking about, you know, recovery and stuff. But that's really nice. There's, there's a lot of kind of, um, you know, there are places you can go to tell better stories and to have positive news, you know. Why not? Yeah. To counteract yeah. that negative bias. Yeah, yeah 100%. Your reason to love sober? My reason to love sober. Um, oh, just... My reason to love sober is just, th thank fuck I don't drink anymore, you know? And I think even when, you know, there's that... I used to think, I suppose, that I needed it for stuff, but when things get tough, how much worse everything would be mm. if you had that in the mix to have to recover from oh my god it doesn't bear thinking about so I think that's simply it is that my reason to love sober is just that I don't drink anymore and I've got rid of that noxious freaking poison and complication from my life you know I hear you sister amen sister <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm gonna get a habit I'm gonna go to church you can all come to church <laughs> what about yours yeah your reason to love sober my reason to love sober, um, I was thinking about my sleep. Um, I've really struggled with my sleep. It was a major reason why I stopped drinking. It's been a, a huge kind of part of my mental health issues um, over the last sort of five, seven years. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I mostly sleep pretty well now. I, I'm still really tired all of the time and I'm kind of trying to investigate what that's all about. But getting like eight hours sleep you know mm. without waking up it's just it's a i mean it's, the gods isn't it it's absolutely transformative yeah i yeah. mean and and i i had yeah i mean yeah that, that's a lot to do with stopping drinking mm, me too yeah i mean it is i do mean it's like a gift from the gods it's like i remember sleeping so badly i don't know if i uh told you but basically my husband and I got into a habit of whenever we woke up saying, how did you sleep? Um, because I was sleeping so badly. That was in my 30s. And and it was always random. Sometimes I'd go, well, no, I slept okay. And then sometimes it would be like, oh, and if I'd drunk, it'd be like, well, what do you think? I, drank? I slept shit because mm. I woke up at three because I drank. And I used to get really annoyed if we'd had a sort of a party night together or hit mm. the wine. 
and he'd sleep like a log and go, oh, how did you sleep? And I'd go, well, how the fuck do you think I slept? Do you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, and I would get very, very, very cross and then I'd have a horrible hangover and then I'd go, oh, I'm giving up drinking today. And then I'd do the whole thing again three days later, you know, and it, oh, it's so horrible. Yeah. It's really horrible. It's exactly the same. Yeah. So, yes, amen Just to pa- sleep. Pass out and then wake up at three in the morning mm. and, and, and hate yourself. And then yeah, and now even though I'm quite anxious at the moment because there's a lot, of, so I'm sitting with the the you know the, some of the things that I can't quite fix at the moment. Yeah, I'm actually still sleeping, and even though I'm waking up at like I'm probably waking up a bit too early, about five, I then go back to sleep again, and it's like it's like yeah. a superpower, like I didn't know I had. <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway, we should wrap up now, shouldn't we? So um, if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, do reach out and get support. Um, your GP, uh, alcohol concern, if you're in the UK for agencies of local support. Lots of online communities, Club Soda, Soberista, She Recovers. Um, you can contact us um, on the website. Just, you know, send up a flare somewhere and find where you fit. Uh, we're always saying that, but there's there's a lot of stuff out there. So don't don't feel, you know, alone, you know, try and reach out and get some help and um, have a great week, everyone. Stay safe and we'll see you next week for more chats.